Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of anime trending. If you're looking for a nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku themes, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation and discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by... Hello, I am Isabel, and... This is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about our controversial anime opinions. That's right, we... This is going to be an actual very fun and likely longer discussion about opinions we have of anime and it can literally be anything whether it's just you hate an anime that everyone really loves or you have a general comment on the industry or just anything uh, related to anime that is a particular controversial t- uh, opinion we are going to talk about it today and I have no idea what the girls have in store I only have my picks obviously so I'm extremely excited to hear what they have and Agnes is kicking us off this week so Agnes what are your anime controversial opinions? Yeah, um, I feel like mine are a little bit tame just because I'm the type of person that kind of just like says no if I hear any whiff of controversy from anime and don't want to get involved in it. <laughs> um, but the first one I want to start off with is um, the overall SAO series I think is incredibly overrated and it's just really bad writing all around. But there's one series in the sort of online franchise that I think does better than even the original series, and that is the full name, Sword Art Online Alternative Gun Gale Online by Studio 3HZ. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember when the first season came out, yes. <laughs> yeah, so the reason why I want to say that I'm going to call it the alternative GGO because that's part of the name, so we don't get it confused with all of the other sort of online um, fran- main franchise names, is that Alternative GGO doesn't take itself seriously and it roots itself in the idea that it's a game and people play games, right? There are people who take out their frustrations in games. There are people who are military professionals that play in games, um, especially in first-person shooters and things like that. And I felt like Alternative GGO really outlines more realistic expectations to what a video game anime adaptation would be like and it helps with the fact that the light of light novel author of ggo is also the same light novel author as um kino's journey and they are a big fan of weapons in general and is like a big weapons nerd a big gun nerd i should say specifically to the point that their pen name that I believe that they go by when they wrote Kino's Journey and also for Alternative GGO is actually a pun off of their favorite pistol. So mm. Alternative GGO as a whole just makes sense in terms of it's just a game, people have fun. It doesn't take itself seriously with an overpowered MC like Kirito, like you have in sort of online. It doesn't have a cute little harem that follows him around thinking that he's the best thing in the world. And it's just really fun overall. Our main character is super cute. She is tiny. She is pink. And she's surrounded by a bunch of people who play the game very seriously and also very non-seriously at the same time. And it's just overall a much more fun experience than the main Sora Online franchise. Doesn't she also have bunny ears or am I misremembering? She does. Okay. She does have bunny ears. So the main character, uh, her her in-game name is Pitohui. Uh, Pitohui loves everything cute, small, and pink. But unfortunately, her real life self is massive. She is a very, very tall woman by Japanese standards. Oh, she's a big girl. She's a big, tall girl. And she's very insecure in a society where small, cute, dainty girls are a thing. Mm. 
And and she's a university student too, so she's she's already like gotten past like the high school angst of I'm taller than most girls. But even she feels very awkward. She can't even find clothes that fit her size, right? And it's even worse in an Asian country. Yeah, in an Asian country where you know the sizes are catered to smaller women with you know more with smaller frames in general. And she has a very large frame. And the problem with um with sort of online at this point in time for the the main series is that. When you create a character in the game, right? The game basically takes like biometrics and statistics of your body and recreates you in that image in the game. So you can't have like a pretend avatar with like hot pink hair and like heels or whatever, but it looks incredibly realistic to the real you. And so Pizza Hui was betting on this very one slim chance that if in any game that she could play, it would randomize her avatar and she would get something that she would want, which is it doesn't look like her and it's not tall. And this game finally gave it to her and she was just so incredibly happy about it that I just felt like it's such a fun, cute way of integrating like a female gamer that's like not too edgy and not too like into the game too much or someone who's kind of like expecting other people to what they call in the gaming industry like carrying her because she's so helpless but she's just genuinely excited to just start a game where she can feel like she can be free um and that's what i really like about alternative gun gale online for any guys who are listening who are sort of maybe not aware or perhaps confused as to why like like her real life self being sort of big and stocky it matters so much is especially with hearing like she has trouble finding clothes that fit her for girls clothes tend to be a lot tighter and tend to fit to the shape a lot more that's just how they make the clothes especially if you're looking at like more businessy or just nicer clothes as a whole um and it's honestly extremely uncomfortable and unsettling for a girl to not find clothes that don't fit them even for stuff that you might think is like an asset slash plus because you know i've i've had friends with you know uh body proportions and specifically with a bigger chest than what they would usually proportion for a girl of a certain stature and i've gone shopping with her and she she felt a lot better about shopping because I was with her, which is also another reason why a lot of girls like to shop together because there's something more fun and more, um, more lighthearted, even if the clothes don't fit you. But there was a moment where like she wanted this thing and she tried it on and her chest was too big to wear it is essentially what it is. And I know like for any other place, it's like for guys, it's, the funniest thing ever or it's like oh that's a good thing right because your chest is bigger than your body proportions that most people assume but for her like before when she used to shop alone and that happens all the time it felt humiliating because her body didn't fit in any sort of standard and she's constantly reminded of that fact whenever she buys clothes and she doesn't fit into them shopping with me on the other hand did make make it a little funnier because now you have someone who got to experience it with you and saw it and make it more lighthearted, which is once again why a lot of girls like to shop together versus alone when it comes to clothes um and so i just kind of wanted to put that little tidbit in just in case any of our listeners because we do have quite a bit of guys who listen to our podcast who are confused as to why like it, it matters so much to the main character to be able to be that shorter stature wearing her cute clothes because it it honestly can feel really humiliating if you can't fit into the standard clothes that exist for women. So yeah. Yeah, not to mention that 
the quote-unquote size of standard sizing only matters it doesn't take an account of bust yeah so mm-hmm. like things like small medium and large for all unisexes uh type of clothing is more related to like shoulders and like arm width that's mostly what the sizing standards are in most countries but for women in particular because we have assets in the front some of the clothing may not fit us right because we literally have extra muscle mass of boobs in the front. And fat, right? because so that's what boobs are, is they're fat. It's so. fat, <laughs> fat and muscle. So it basically like stretches out necklines or it makes like the weird framing of certain shirts not fit right, especially if you have really short sleeves. Not like the t-shirt sleeve, but like even a quarter, like a quarter inch, like smaller so like ruffles may look weird or you may look a bit too broad because you have broader shoulders like I have really broad shoulders but I have like a really flat chest so sometimes when I'm wearing a dress and it's like in my size I look down and I can see I'm gonna be a little bit graphic here the boob does not fit in the cup right Right. there's a space there's a gap and I'm just like what the hell (laughs) right so that's also like a general struggle for women in general is not being able to find clothes in the right size even though it should be in the right size right and so that's why for other girls like your friend Gracie it becomes humiliating because it feels hopeless right exactly so yeah I I I didn't even watch this show but uh hearing that particular part I just wanted to go ahead and point that out because we have almost 50 percent listeners our guys so we got quite a chunk of a guy audience here listening to our podcast so I want to go ahead and just clarify for any of those who aren't aware of this particular situation of what it means to shop for clothes as a girl as well um but yeah okay and that, honestly i don't really have much to contribute i was never a huge fan of sao in the first place oh, when it I was big and hated sao from the <laughs> beginning and i just hated the opinions of like they have the best romance they have the best animation da 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 and i'm like the story sucks what are you talking about the animation was pretty good at during that time oh it was <laughs> anime like a1 Pictures, I like had to give it to them like A1. They brought out the big guns for sort of online when it came out, right? They brought, um, they brought Yuki Kaji to do the music. Mm-hmm. They brought A1 Pictures to do the animation, and everyone was just starstruck, right, when it came out. And it was a mainstream anime for a while because it managed to hit mass markets, right? Right. It made it on streaming websites, and that's how a lot of people got to go see it. But the story overall is really, really bad. <laughs> It went from very optimistically good, because I even read the manga before it came out, and I was not expecting the amount of haremness that was from the original manga and from the light novel to be in the anime and to continue to carry out as a joke and start straying into like sexual harassment, start straying into hentai tentacle related things in the second half of Sora Online, and I was like... What 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 was the point of this show to begin with, right? And I know that it has gotten some critical acclaim for um, the Underworld arc, which is another part of the sort of online franchise series, but I still think the series takes itself way too seriously and it doesn't encapsulate the fun of what a game is, even though sort of online starts off as like, oh, we're trapped in a game, we might get killed, right? Right, exactly. I guess, Isabel, you know, how did you feel about this particular controversial opinion that uh, that uh, Agnes has? I don't know how people would feel about that, especially I know that some people really love SAO, like, in its right? entirety. So I don't. they may agree with you that they like the um, alternative gun gill online, but I don't know how they would feel about the rest of the series. But I'm also on the boat that I personally didn't like the... SAO as well when it first started coming out and when I first watched it and so but you it seems like you had watched more than you know that as well and like 
how did you like get through that or like what makes oh, you girl, think i just skimmed you just skipped through it are you kidding me i'm not sitting through like i'm not <laughs> wasting 20 minutes of my time watching every single episode of sora online i skim and i read wikipedia mm, okay, okay i have eyeballs so at least for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah All honestly right. i think the only thing I, I like was probably one of the movies that i watched but i watched oh. it with no context so was, was it uh the one with asuna yes mm-hmm. okay yeah, that one I heard was pretty good. And I do and I do have to agree that there are some parts of Sora Online that I did like. Um, there's one with uh, Yuki. Her story was really mm-hmm. unique um, in Sword of Online. It gives Asuna more fleshed out characterization, but then that's about it because it's like an OVA short type of thing. So that's fun. Alrighty. Okay, so that is your first controversial anime opinion. What is your second one then? <laughs> Yeah, my second one is, uh, I think your name is overrated. (gasps) No, you did not (laughs) just say that. (laughs) I do think it's a bit overrated. Um, And this comes from the lens of somebody who watched your name like way after it came out. And but I did watch your name before the other Makoto Shinkai movies, right? Um, And I think we're all under a general consensus that most of Makoto Shinkai movies are decent, right? Mm -hmm. But when I went to go watch your name, it was incredibly overhyped because every single female I knew loved your name, right? They were like, it's the best shoujo in the world. The romance is so great. The animation is so pretty, yada, yada, yada. And yes, I am a tomboy by definition, but I also watched my fair share of shoujos when I was growing up. So I was also very excited for this. I had an online friend who was over the moon with your name because it has the whole red string of fate thing and that is the thing that she digs the most in a romance anime. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll give it a shot and I watched it. I was confused by the end and I thought it was pretty mid. (laughs) I am so... Oh, like you are, I'm on the other end of the spectrum because I love it so much. I thought like so I thought it was posters. so mid compared to other shoujo series because it's like when you take away like the beautiness of your name and the red, the red string of fate type of thing. I just thought it was kind of like meh. So I didn't really click with it as much as other people did. Oh my gosh. But okay, sorry. Isabel, you're a huge Makoto Shinkai fan as a whole. So like what? (laughs) Gracie's trying to find like a balancing middle ground. (laughs) Oh, me being the balancing middle ground? But I'm on the same side as Gracie because I really Oh damn, okay, I'm on my own here. (laughs) You are on your own. (laughs) You got any questions for this girl, Isabel? Wait, so do you like the other two movies more than that? Or is just your name? Uh, is just well, co- we all agree with Weathering With You was not executed, right? We all okay, agree on that. We agree with that. Uh, what was it? Suzume? Suzume. Was the other one, right? Yes. Well, I think that Suzume was fine. I think I like the the supernatural context of Suzume. And I find it more amusing that Makoto Shinkai wanted to make it a sapphic movie, but had to resort to making a chair. Mm. Uh, out, of spite, overall, like, uh, out of spite as a reminder. <laughs> Out of spite, yes, out of spite for the the higher up saying that he couldn't make it a sapphic movie, so so sad, but so true. Um, but overall, like I thought, Makoto Shinkai films are fine as a whole. I just thought your name was in- way too incredibly overhyped and overrated. Damn, I because I didn't, I knew people were hyping up your name and stuff, and when I watched it after. Hearing all the hype, I was like, it was as good as everyone said. You were like that's, starstruck, weren't you? That, that's what I, I thought, too. Was. 
And the funny thing was, like, I was even watching it with the friend that had hyped it up with me. Like, she was coming down from the States. Mm-hmm. She, she lives in a different country. So she came to the States. And we watched it together. And she was like, isn't it wonderful? And I was like, yeah? Question <laughs> mark. I am shocked. Uh, to give you an idea of how big of an effect your name had, I, I watched it for I my- know how big of an effect your name has. No, no, no. I uh, watched but, it on my birthday think- with a bunch of people who don't usually watch, like, anime movies oh, and Jesus. stuff. Of course and you did. literally, one of them was on the ground sobbing <laughs> at the end of oh. the movie. I mean, I do admit, like, I did tear up at some points of your name, but overall, when I when I left the movie theater and then several years later, I was kind of like, it was a merit, it was a mid- <laughs> to baffle i thought like coming into this i was like okay well my 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 takes aren't that spicy i don't think comes out with your name is overrated i i thought it was great i don't know isabel unless you're starting to see what agnes is saying (laughs) i did see i remember seeing kind of like commentary that like if your name didn't have like the animation quality and um like character design or i guess like background design it would probably be like an okay movie yeah like if you look at all of the other makoto shinkai films that have been rated like on imdb or other like movie rating websites his average for most movies is like a six or a seven but the only movie that has over an eight like an 8.5 like an 8.5 out of 10 is your name because it's really good (laughs) no it's just really pretty no that's not the reason why okay okay (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the whole thing about your name is, as in any romance movie, and I, 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 I feel really like Daisy's to... saying this with her hands on her hips. <laughs> I'm actually moving my hands a lot, actually. You're correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as in any romance movie, it's not here to try to surprise you or do something different. It's here to make you believe in the love story. Like, that's it. Because how uh... love happens is the same in many, many ways, in the same way that a lot of romance stories as a whole, if you strip it down to the bare minimum of their actions taken, they follow the same formula because that's just how relationships develop and work is the thing. And so what's really important more than anything else is the character's chemistry and do you believe in the feelings that they have for each other? That's what ultimately determines no, whether something- I don't. How? How? Okay, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I can't at this point. Isabel, you need to take over for the last minute. <laughs> Just talk away. <laughs> Gracie's just so upset with me at this point. I've never seen Gracie so upset that she completely shut down. And we usually agree on a lot of things, but this is the one thing that I made her the most upset with. I wonder if it's because, like, maybe you don't, like, maybe this Rome, the idea of this type of romance is, like, over goes over your head. Or, like, it's not the type of shoujo. I guess, romance story that you like, maybe, Agnes? Yeah, it's very possible that that's the case. I mean, I do like the occasional, like, red string of fate type of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's all over in love stories, right? It's the star-crossed lovers vibe. It's because, you know, the stars will never align for their fates. And therefore, it makes it even more tragic, right? 
Um, but I think at the time, I was probably maybe shifting away from that kind of romance and was hoping for something a little bit more grounded or realistic in terms of shoujo. So I think that's where a lot of the disconnects started happening, unfortunately. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess it starts off, like the movie seems like it would be grounded, but it's completely not grounded. And that's probably... Maybe. That's that's definitely a big maybe, yeah. And I, th- and I also wonder if you liked it, Isabel, because there's like a like a time warp element to it um because you yes. seem to like that a lot with like oh, okay i was on the girls on the point because liking. you love it from steins gate <laughs> i know like everything like all the anime i like i'm like it has time warp in it there's some type of time thing and i'm like uh, okay okay because for me it. i'm just like well she's dead she's dead <laughs> you know they're like two separate timelines it doesn't work for me so i think that's where the other disconnect comes from mm. The dead stay dead. They cannot be revived is my usual model. It's but anime not revival. Like it's fixing something that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's so upset. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> moving on. It's like saying, like, does, does Hemel deserve to live, right? Even though Hemel's dead already. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah. That's, that's a fair point. But at the same time, I think, like, the fact that this is the premise of there's nothing to be fixed in his case like he lived a fulfilling life and he was proud and happy of what he did so like for me your name's time thing is more about something that went wrong that shouldn't have gone wrong and needed to be fixed versus something else where it's just like something that happened was always meant to happen that way so it's you need to leave it alone i don't know there's like there's a divide and that's how i, I, feel I like mean you, i'm gonna be a troll here but you can argue that the catastrophe is always meant to happen right and like i, I do i do understand that for sure but i think at the same time it's like like there was a lot of other human elements in there involved as well in which it was like it was a problem that wasn't fixed. Like her dad wasn't listening to her and all these other oh, signs okay. that, that's were, fair. that were yeah. ignored. So yeah. I see. I see. That's true. That's true. It was a disaster that could have been prevented. Were not even prevented, but at least like people mitigated, more. right? Yeah. Because mitigated. she went around telling people, but no one listened. To yeah. Her. No okay, one listened yeah, to her. Her dad brushed her off. Like these were human errors that shouldn't have happened that needed to be fixed. Like that's what it felt like to me. <laughs> Funnily so. enough, I think that's just a main crux of all of Makoto Shinkai's films, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, with that being said, now the mic goes into my court. So my controversial anime opinions aren't related to a specific anime, but more of just like overall topics I've seen. So my first one is one that you two have heard, but the reason why I picked it was I was not expecting to get jumped on Twitter for expressing this opinion. So because I got jumped on Twitter for expressing this opinion, now I know it's apparently a controversial anime opinion. So my apparently controversial anime opinion is that I think most slavery in anime sucks. In regards to their portrayal, they always go with the um, the kind master sort of route because the main character is always someone who is buying the slaves and treats them well, never someone who might have started in that position per se. And, um, and I really think until anime gets an actual better understanding of what slavery as an institution actually is, because for whatever reason it seems to fly over their heads, I don't, I like, I straight up am tired of seeing them. 
in in a lot of the source materials. Vinland Saga obviously is the big outlier in this, but also let's be honest here, Yukimura Sensei is extremely well educated in what slavery is and has given lots of interviews about how <clears throat> like to him when he thinks about what is the opposite of love and what is the opposite of humanity, slavery is what comes to mind for him. So he has an extremely deep understanding of it, but he is an outlier and Vinland Saga is an outlier. I And so I picked this one because I had posted a tweet about it thinking not that big of a deal that I don't feel comfortable seeing this in all these series. And I got so many people angry at me, just so, so many, that to the point it reached Japan Twitter. And Japan Twitter is like, wait, what's the issue and stuff like that? And so I was like, wow, people were not happy with me about this opinion. I still stick by it. I am not changing my mind and not even like 5,000 people like going after me will change my mind. And you can throw threats at me if you want, because that really won't change my mind. It's only going to make me dig in my heels more. But I think it's interesting how that opinion is controversial in the first place, considering that I didn't think it was that big of a deal. So, yeah, that is my first controversial anime opinion. Um, and I and and I and I that does pertain to a lot of different and other anime like I'm not just talking about isekai which is where this is most common with and you know Isabel and I we've talked about it briefly and that I had a hard time with Shagrapple fairy tale because of that same premise as well so um so I, I just I don't know it's just how I feel and I I don't like seeing it and I really think that they should just stop until they figure out what it actually means like what slavery means as an institution so yeah <laughs> But how is an artist supposed to figure it out? And then, I don't know, I feel like they are supposed to portray it in a way like if the way that they've seen slavery like in the past. And so, I don't know what, I, I can't get over the fact that, I guess it does make a point because you guys both did not like it in Sugar App or Fairy Tale. <laughs> okay, I think but, my main point is like, why have slavery at all? Right mm. is my point in a piece of media because usually a lot of slavery books or slavery books that talk about it in in America, especially fictional books, will talk about the brutality of slavery. Right, will talk and basically give light about why slavery is bad. And for Yukimura Sensei in Vinland Saga, he does exactly that too. He tells us from the very beginning that even he wanted to start Vinland Saga with a slavery plot because it's the opposite of love and he hates war and violence and this has to be the starting point for the character to understand that he needs to step away from this cycle of brutality and violence right um so when you see slavery being depicted as kind of like the good master trope in both nisekai and also in sugar apple it kind of makes you wonder like why did we have to start from that position mm, okay that's usually my uh, my goal, my like my starting point for like an isekai, because I don't like the premise of how Shield Hero even started in the first place. Like Shield Hero starts fine actually at the beginning. You know, you have these four dudes that are summoned from their world in a very unfair conditions, and they're all kind of pitted against each other because one princess decides to go fuck another one. Um, for a lack of better words, right? One princess basically sides with one of the heroes and then everyone else is basically left with bad cars and or have to do with themselves, have to, you know, make a living by themselves, right? And the main character in Shield Hero gets the bad end of the stick 
Well, why couldn't he have just, you know, adopted a, an orphan kid that was out in the streets? Why did he have to buy a slave? Right. Um, and then in Sugar Apple Fairy, it's kind of also the same thing of like, why did she have to pick up a guy who was um, originally a fairy that was in slavery? Why was he not maybe like a runaway slave and she decided to help him to give him a job? Yeah, right? or so, no, no, so I it, completely agree with that. Yeah. Or it's even like here, here, let me return your uh, wing right now. Please help me. I am asking you as a person who you know, is hiring you or etc. Like, it's just, there's so much other stuff you could have done. And like, in Sugar Apple Fairy Tale, like the first few episodes really got me angry. And part of the reason why was there was one particular scene that like, ugh, like even now I get angry thinking about it because <laughs> she gets so heated. Well, in this, because in this I think it's so in stupid general. in that he tries to understandably steal his wing back and she gets angry at him. And she's like, I trusted you. I'm like, of course he wants his wing back. Like, what are you talking about? You don't get to be angry at him for something like that. Like, that's so dumb, you know? So I can't, like, I can't help but think, like, some of these things are, I get in the situation of her Apple fairy tale, which is a little, quote unquote, less egregious in the sense that it's not sexist, you know, like a lot of the isekais uh, slavery are, because conveniently all these sick guy slavery is always with girls who are slaves and never guys so i just want to go ahead and point that out yep um but it's missing the sexism in there which is good but it's also at the same time where it's like i get it it's just you want like the complimented like the complicated power dynamic of well he's bigger and stronger than her so there's a little bit of danger but she's his master ooh la la like that's like a very sort of tense like sexual tension sort of thing going on and it is really exciting but i'm like you could accomplish that without slavery you could you can even do it where perhaps he owes her something and so um and not in the sense of her literally owning him but he is a criminal or he's someone who was or he's someone who was falsely accused and he and she gave him like a way out and so now he owes her and so and he has to like finish what he owes her so and everything and it's like you still have that same dynamic without her literally owning him and getting mad at him for trying to understandably steal his wing back. Like, <laughs> like, it's just, there's so many other options there. And that's why I'm like, unless you really want to actually put into the story, like the institution of slavery and how it affects everything, which once again, only Vinland Saga has been successful in doing I don't see why you should be doing it at all. So really, I, I agree with Agnes. Like Agnes and I are on the same wavelength in this case. <laughs> Although I do want to provide a counterpoint for the sake of continuing this conversation is what is your stance with Chain Soldier? Oh, I, I dropped it. So I <laughs> <saw>. <laughs> you tend to like lighten up the mood a little bit because Chain Soldier kind of follows that same pathway of like the slave and the master. Right. Uh um. So I kind of wanted like a comedic input on that because it follows the trope but obviously it's 
more lighthearted and not as egregiously like brushed off you know yeah and i mean definitely is uncomfortable actually so uh i did drop a big reason for it is because one of the girls was like bullying him and using like the status to like get him to do all her chores and stuff like that i was not okay with that i was like yeah that's <laughs> i'm out after yeah this. especially especially if they're a military unit that's an abuse of power right yeah. exactly so that's that's when i was out and i was like that's totally unnecessary i i don't like this anymore I think at the very beginning with the setup, it's like, um, it's like he, she asked him, she actually asked him if he wanted to stay and do this because they're working well together and stuff like that. But here's everything laid out in terms for you as to what will happen. And she, and he, he's like excited and being like, oh, then yeah, I want to do it. Like that part I was okay with because in many cases that, sounded more like a contract like a business like a business contract (laughs) here's your terms and agreements by the way there's a fine print line at the bottom that says you have to be the housekeeper as well (laughs) right right he completely misunderstood that because she she did tell him that that was like the thing but he misunderstood what she was saying but i like it did get like i said the other girl i did find to be more egregious and using her status to make him do all those chores and stuff like that that's when i didn't like it anymore also she did sexually harass him too so let's put that out there as well Um, oh boy yeah, so, slaves never get a break at this point. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like so that's when I stopped being okay with it. I think the initial setup I was more okay with it because everything was put on the table quite clearly and cleanly, and it's not even like an institution. In this case where she is going around buying him or anything like that. It's more like this is her power that she has, and he pairs well with her power. So do you want to? get into a business contract partnership in regards to this so that's kind of how i viewed that one i see gotcha gotcha yeah um but okay (laughs) i i over talked on that one so that's my first one that i really wasn't expecting to be controversial but then once again uh the anime community made it clear that it was controversial um so my second one is also like a general comment that i've been seeing lately but and it does have to do with shoujo and overall like male lead romantic interests and stuff like that but i don't think that problematic love interests and stories are bad or love interests with problematic elements to them are bad and the reason why is i think it's more important on how it's portrayed rather than why rather than just the fact that they have stuff that makes them more complex or makes them more uh problematic for example you know i i hate uh Iono Koji and K from Classroom of the Elite. That is an abusive relationship from beginning to end, like without question. And um I really hate it, not because of the fact that it is abusive. I hate it because the way the story made it was that it was ultimately endgame romantic. They were meant to be together. And I'm like, you should not be portraying abusive relationships as the end game romantic route however that doesn't mean that i don't think anime as a whole should never portray abusive relationships do you know what i mean like the difference between the two yeah because you want to tell your audience that 
people will get into troublesome relationships. Yes. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. We don't know that because, you know, we're not all of us can see the red flags. And that's normal. Mm -hmm. We're not meant to because people can be manipulators. And so there will be times where we fall into a toxic relationship or even in a like a toxic friendship or be caught in like toxic uh, parental child relationships. Mm -hmm. right? But I think the point that you're making here is that Having a piece of media influences people, and therefore you don't want a relationship that will be endgame that is also toxic and influence other people to have that same relationship. Right. But it is fair to show a toxic relationship, but show the character having character development and moving on, separating themselves from that toxic relationship, or finding a new person. Yes, exactly. You you got it right on the money in regards to that. And I think uh, and I think as a whole, it's because I've been seeing a lot of purity things on TikTok and other anime media where they're just like, oh, this guy has like this problematic element or this guy has this thing. And I'm just like, are in real life who we end up together with and who we date, they're not perfect because that's not what being human is. It's not possible to be a perfect person and the struggles of a relationship is making those flaws work with you and you know doing compromises and see how they mesh together and stuff like that and that includes toxic relationships as well and I think to just completely shun that from media and have that not portrayed as all especially in like romantic leads or uh you know the main love interest I don't think that's really fair. And I also think it's kind of insulting as well to like the male, the main female lead who is involved in the relationship as well, because they are characters with agency who made their decisions and choices, you know, like, for example, a common one that I see a lot in, you know, Agnes, you already know about this because I know you've seen comments about this is how people were saying Itsuomi is problematic and he has like issues oh, from a sign of affection, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, and this is not just guys who are complaining. There are definitely guys complaining, but there is also a lot of girls out there who is like, oh, he's so problematic because he's so like physical towards Yuki and stuff like that. And yeah. yes, he is a, like at the beginning, he is a little aggressive in regards to being touchy feely towards her, but you guys, but those people just completely disregard the fact that A, Yuki makes it really, really clear from the get-go that she's pursuing him in a romantic sense. Like, it's like every, every, like, every flirtation in the book of her trying to tell him that she's interested in him, please, like, you know, show some interest in me. But then there's also the fact that he recognizes when he, when he's like, oh, I guess I was a little too pushy. And he asks her and he's like, you know, was that too much? And for example, one of the things was he tickled her stomach because he wanted to hear her laugh again uh, after he heard her laugh for the first time ever because he doesn't, he can't really hear Yuki's voice. Yuki doesn't really talk. And that did make her uncomfortable. And he asked her and she said, actually, don't do that anymore. And he was like, okay, got it. I I'm just not going to do that anymore. And it's like, Yes, that's a flaw of his, but what ultimately matters is that he is working on himself to do that, and it's not abusive, and it's not, you know, demeaning in any way, and I think to just say, like, he's not worth it as a love interest is also extremely infantilizing of Yuki as well, like, it's like, oh, we have to protect Yuki, it's like, she can make her own decisions, you guys are literally sounding like Oshi uh, when you guys say these things, and so, uh, it's just, uh, but this is the biggest one I saw is the thing. It's like, 
they seem to have such an allergic reaction to the idea that the male leads might have problematic elements or real life flaws in them and immediately be like, oh, he's no good. He's no good. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but that's just not how the world works on top of that. That makes a really boring story if there's nothing in the other in the male lo- uh, the male love interest if he's just perfect from head to toe like yes there's fairy tales and stuff like that but guess what those fairy tales that we remember the prince doesn't really show up that much because he's too perfect so there's no point in him being in the story where we have all these other characters involved instead so I think that's my second controversial anime opinion. I don't know if, Isabel, you've seen comments like that or videos about that, but at least I've been seeing a lot of these. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen some of that as well, and I also have questions, but I think I saw that especially with the Twitter posts about the sign of affection, and I was like, maybe? I mean, yeah, and like you said, it wasn't that bad. And then Yuki actually wanted to pursue him and it was you know if it was clear that she didn't like him and you know he you know she said something like oh please don't do that and he kept on doing that then obviously that's a problem right um but the the fact that you know she didn't do that she kind i mean she wanted to get closer to him and you know that's what she was hoping for so yes i agree that we definitely need a little like i feel like more realistic protagonists in a sense uh although some people also would say that itsumi is like impossible to find right i see that too <laughs> i kind of agree with that as well but i'm also the like, man has ultimateness yeah <laughs> isabel's like i don't even understand why you guys think he's problematic i think he's too perfect <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> and this has come from the the girl that likes like oh um arunoharu draw arunoharu right and also like i'm assuming like my little monster question mark I did like my little monster. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> Is that bad? No, 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 I don't no because think so, yeah. he was he was also like one of those like quote unquote like male leads that are problematic mm. and falls in that same pit trap when you're just like, well, that's realistic. You know, that's everyone's going to be problematic one way or another. We all have weird quirky traits that make We all have we flaws. Yeah, we all have flaws. We always have flaws. Yeah. I'm going to be really excited because you have all this discourse of people being like, Itsuomi is like, you know, he is doing things that she doesn't want. He's a creep, da 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 da. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a new Yakuza manga that's coming out with an anime adaptation called Raisei wa Tani Nigai, and you are not ready for the male main character. Of this series. <laughs> <laughs> because that man is Yakuza and a psychopath down to his core. <laughs> yeah, see, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't, like, we can't just. What's the word for this? Like, clean wash it? That's not the right idiot. Well, it's, well, most people would say, like, you can't be sensitive about it. You have to be realistic about the fact that your male leads will have flaws, but you also have to have expectations. Ex- expect- Shit, I can't talk today. <laughs> you have to have realistic expectations on how a story ends, too. Right, exactly. And not fall into the pitfall of, oh, I want to be in an abusive relationship, too. Kira, kira, sparkle, sparkle. Right, right. And I mean, of course, obviously, the issue is also because the story portrays it. Yes, it is love. Yes, no, that that's not love. At least definitely not the right kind of love. But it's just like, right. uh, but yeah, like, that's my thing. Like, girls, girlies, girlies who are listening and who are like, Itsuomi's problematic because he touches Yuki and all that stuff. Guys are going to have flaws. What's most important is whether they respect you. 
Itsumi yep. respects what Yuki wants and says. She told him she does not want him to do that anymore to her with the stomach. And he immediately, without question, was like, got it. I'm not going to do it anymore. That's what it means to be in a relationship is you're dealing with a whole other person with flaws who are going to make mistakes and you have to tell them that these are mistakes that you don't want in your life. And if they respect you, they will accept it. And that's what makes it and that's what makes the relationship. And so he's not like it is not bad for male love, uh, male love interests to have these flaws and to make mistakes in relationships as like. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, all right, so that's my controversial anime opinion that I observed as of late. Uh, Isabel, it is now your turn. So curious to hear. What are your controversial anime opinions? Yeah, the first one I have also, I kind of went general, kind of. Okay. Um, yeah, no problem. And the first one I had was that I actually like CGI anime, and I think we oh. need more of them. Whoa! <laughs> okay. Okay, that is a fair assessment. I I don't particularly like CGI anime because I feel like it feels unnatural, but go off, Queen. I think that's the question I have. Like, everyone always complains about the CGI, how it feels unnatural or things like that, or maybe clunky, and I kind of see that. But then, I don't know, maybe I just gloss over it, and then I, I just think it's okay, or like, at least watchable for me. Like, it doesn't stop me from watching it because I still want to find out about the story or things like that. And I feel like CGI really gets a bad rep like really bad when it's like when it's obvious and done poorly but when it's good no one says anything about it and like mm. it's even snuck into i feel like some of our favorite shows and people maybe have like opinions on about it but maybe the fact that it's covered up by 2d animation as well like it doesn't get that much attention i feel like um mm -hmm. case in point there was some cgi in attack on titan for example um, and also like Chainsaw Man, the most, I would feel like more popular shonen, they're like slowly implementing these. And I feel like we are not that far off from possibly having like full CGI, like Trigun Stampede, um, anime that could yeah, be Trigun completely okay. Good. Yeah. So I think we should at least give CGI anime a chance because I, I also heard like in, tr in terms of Trigun Stampede, some people who, who tried to start the anime were interested in it, still just didn't get through it just because it was solely because it was CGI. Yeah, I mean, I'll say like, uh, like I'll also say Land of Lustrous, I don't think it, it would actually work without the CGI, honestly. Like, mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, okay, so to answer your question, I don't like CGI most of the time. Studio Orange is a very unique studio where I I think they nail it with the CGI every time. I think it's because most of the CGI anime that comes out that's completely CGI looks really, really bad and sort of like Uncanny Valley a lot of times with their faces and their expressions and stuff like that. And then we have disasters like X-Arm, as you guys no, know. Let's not talk about X-Arm, holy <laughs> That was that was a grave that did not need to be dug up. <laughs> but like that's what I mean. Like you know, when you have bad rep anime, I think that's it's too easy to associate with it. But it's also a very different look, and I think it can be a little difficult to get used to it sometimes because our brain is sort of primed for patterns and stuff. I, I don't know, but I I'm definitely one of those who tend to avoid them. I'll, 
But like, but I've also, like I said, I love Land of Lustrous. You know, <laughs> I don't think it would work without CGI for that matter. Um, so it's just like, but I think it's interesting how you're you are very positive of uh its usage and how we should push for it more. But you're thinking more like Studio Orange anime, I'm guessing, or actually, I'm not too sure what Studio Orange has done. Can you? Give me. Oh, they're the one who did Trigon Stampede. Trigon Stampede. Stampede. Um, uh, Let me look up their other stuff because. Be Stars. Be Stars. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's what I am going for. Um, because the other one I thought of was Be Stars, but I don't know who also did, or which studio did Ajin. Oh. Oh. um, It's not Polygon. Uh, let me double check. That sounds familiar. It is. Yeah, it's yeah. Polygon Pictures. Yeah. Polygon Pictures is a very popular one for 3D CGI because they also did stuff like, um, uh, where is it? Uh, oh, Knights of Sidonia. That's what it was. Knights of Sidonia is very popular mm. um, for its uh, 3D CGI, actually. So, And they also did Cana uh, of the Great Snow Sea, which I actually enjoyed. It wasn't that bad. And that was all in CGI as well, right? They're all in CGI, yep. Okay. Poly- Polygon Pictures was, I think, the first of the CGI companies that made it out to mass markets because they started making a lot of really like eye-opening cgi animations which started with knights of syndonia in 2015 and the studio orange was also following suit as well because studio orange was founded oh was founded in 2004 but they they were still in the middle of doing some animation stuff until starting to branch out into full cgi with land of the lustrous in 2017 Oh, okay. Yeah. Polygon Pictures is, I would say, like, quote-unquote, the first, and then Studio Orange was, like, quickly second. But I also wanted to make an interesting point about why I think CGI anime might be controversial within the animation community or the anime community in general is I think a lot of the audience take too much pride in good animation, even though they're not animators themselves. It sounds a little bit controversial, but it's because they're so influenced by how big renowned studios make their animation that when they see something that is using computer graphics to mimic something that is realistic as in the case of like studio orange and polygon pictures they immediately snub it because they're just like well this could have been done by the hands of animators as well but most animators these days even for other pieces of media like video games have things like motion capture for example which is a big part of cgi to help capture the realisticness of movements and many animators these days also incorporate bits of cgi to help them create the vision that they need and so i think that's where the animation community kind of doesn't understand that cgi animation is a possible future for the state of the animation industry but they're too wrapped up in big names like ufotable that quote-unquote does everything by hand and doesn't have cgi but unfortunately ufotable goes bankrupt is hiding their bankruptcy um or what was it? No, it wasn't hiding the bankruptcy. They're uh, they're, they're, they're tax taxes tax evasion. That's what it is. Ufotable <laughs> has tax evasion problems, and you know, Madhouse also went bankrupt at some point because of the Japanese economy was horrible. Um, so there's a lot of things that I think, in general, anime watchers aren't aware of in the animation studio, which is why you have production film production companies like Polygon and Orange step in and being like, we can be a solution. We can do CGI. And even if we're not a solution, we provide an alternative that 
is maybe something more fun and more appealing to other people. Um, I have to say, like, the one CGI that I did really enjoy at the time, and even though it looks super clunky, I still like the concept regardless, was Expelled from Paradise. And Expelled from Paradise is actually getting a sequel movie coming out soon, so I'm kind of excited for that. <laughs> oh, it is. I haven't seen that one. But you really like that one as well. I liked it because I think at the time when I was watching it, it was just like cool sci-fi mecha, big explosion, CGI. And at the time, I didn't really think too much of it. I think the plot is just okay, but I just liked it overall. It just had a very strong impression for me for in terms of like a CGI because the CGI that was used in Expelled in Paradise is kind of similar to what you see in a lot of video games right now where it's like a cute anime girl, but CGI. Mm-hmm. There's a very specific type that you'll see in a couple of video games that have that. Um, something like... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example that fits that. Kind of like something that you see like in Honkai Star Rail or something like uh, Genshin oh, Impact. Okay. Kind of like that type of vibe was something that you would see in Expelled the Paradise. And Expelled from Paradise came out many, many moons ago, so. Yeah, I feel like that's what hearts though, because like if they, <laughs> the other thing is if they do too much CGI, it almost feels like it's a game, video game yes. type of thing. Yes, and it so, is a fine balance yeah. to tread upon, yeah. Uh, well, okay. I mean, that's definitely, I think, people listening would agree, is a controversial anime opinion. Um, so what's your second one, then, in this case? <laughs> My second one is, um, I I think we need filler episodes. More filler episodes in anime. I actually agree oh. with you on this, actually, yeah. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, because you're the one who loves Gintama. Yes, I feel and like And you Gintama. love filler. That clicks. Because my question now is... Okay, before you start, is do you like bleach fillers? Uh, surprisingly, yes. Okay, okay, keep going, Kuhn, keep going. Yes. I actually realized that recently also, that some of the bleach fillers were important because I was trying to wa- um, get my boyfriend caught up to bleach to watch the Thousand Year Blood oh, wow. War arc. And like, we, sk- we skipped the fillers because there is no way he was going to watch all of that. He actually thinks that all of Ichigo's fi- fights are filler, so we skipped that too, and I was kind what? of... <laughs> He was like, yeah. Ichigo is like the most boring character ever. and then, He really is. And then, um, yeah. And then he wanted to watch everyone else's fights except for his fight. That's so funny. I'm deceased. Yeah. But I, I like don't disagree because I'm like, yeah, Ichigo's going to lose this one and then he's going to power up on the next one. So I totally see it as well. But I don't know. As a kid, I used to like those episodes. I feel like we need like more of those, especially like we saw that recently with Spy Fam and I did not hate it. I actually appreciated it. But um, if, JJK it feels weird. could have really used some filler episodes. Mm. That's what I want to say. <laughs> I agree with that. I think JJK is the biggest example as well because like we had so much fight, intense fight scenes, which is like super cool and all that stuff. But I think we were missing out on a little bit of the character development. Yeah, because uh, like the characters bonded off screen is basically mm-hmm. what it is. It's like, well, I kind of wanted to see that on screen, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, and then I think we get a little bit of it, like, at the end of an episode or something, like, a little bit of their past or something, but, like, it was, like, where where did that happen? Like, I want to see more episodes of this, like, I because we love the characters so much and we know so much about them, it'll be nice to see them what they were, like, during their break or, like, when they're not on a mission or things like that. That would be nice to see, because I think that's what built up, um, like, older shonen anime or older anime in general is that we had that time to, like, warm up to the characters. And mm-hmm. now it just feels like we don't have that much time or we're trying to like just move on to the next show type of thing. And so we have less appreciation for the characters um, and just want to get to like the big fights or like the big drama, dramatic moments instead. 
I 100% agree with that. I think, like, it's like we've gone to two extremes. Because I do think in the past, they get a little too much. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they stayed a little too long where you're like, okay, it's time to move the plot along. Your your, your fillers are, are just getting a little too ridiculous at this point. But then now we've switched all the way to the other end where there's like nothing at all. And I'm like, you guys need to inch to the sweet spot. Like, stop, stop going to the two extremes. Find the right size. <laughs> like, the right middle point is what I feel like it's missing. And I mean, because it, it, it's like, uh, one thing is I actually didn't really care for the Black Coat Clover anime adaptation. I did like the manga. I want to go ahead and point that out. I, I just didn't think the adaptation really did it justice. But they did have some filler episodes in there that were hilarious, and I absolutely loved them. Like, one of them was about Yami's, like, three monsters that he just keeps in his house, and it turns out they were his pets that he adopted because he saw their parents got hunted by royalty, and so they were suddenly, uh, you know, abandoned, uh, helpless babies, and they immediately looked to him as, like, his their, like, their new parents, so he just took them back, and now they're huge monsters. So, um, and I was like, that's such a cute, sweet, like, episode explaining about the three mysterious pets that are, like, humongous that Yami just keeps in the house. And it's funny, too. And so, and it's like, and I appreciated that. So I definitely think that we could use some of them again. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with the balance because I think Gintama has a perfect example of that. You probably, you guys have probably seen this clip where, like, they talk about how like the anime manga are like going in a straight line but then the anime has to take it like a u-turn or something and then either branch off into space making no sense and then you know or making like making a loop into a filler and then trying to catch up to the manga but then catches up again so it has to take another turn um but yeah kintama is also full of, uh, full of fillers i would say or it feels like fillers in a sense until like the last half but it still has some filler episodes, I feel like. Um, some of it actually wasn't animated. It was more in the manga as well. So I feel like Intima did fell, fall to that aspect of trying to get just like the, the extra parts out and then just putting in all the action or storyline instead as well. But what do you think about One Piece, Agnes? Because I One Piece, they say that they, there's no fillers at all. The fillers are the movies. Mmm. But even then, in general, a lot of what One Piece derives its popularity with the characters is through the comedy off-screen moments that you see like in the corner of the screen while something is happening in the front. That, I think, is mm-hmm. what makes One Piece the type of anime that doesn't have filler is because they focus a lot on the comedy of the characters in, in the front of the action and also in the back of the action but not dedicate an episode and be like, this is what Chopper is doing on a random island, which is actually the plot of one of the movies, right? Um, That's cute, though. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's basically like Chopper ends up on an island by himself with a bunch of animals. The crew eventually finds him, and he basically sits there and translates what the animals' woes and worries are to his crewmates. That's like one of the episodes. There's another one where it's like Nami is forced into like an arranged marriage and everyone has to try to help and save her. That's I think the plot of the first movie. And there's uh there's my favorite one is the the fourth movie, which is basically the pirates get caught in the the pirates basically get caught in a scam that is supposed to be a race. 
um, through like some really treacherous waters to reach like a certain island, but the but it turns out to be a trap from the Marines who are trying to trap the pirates and kill them all, right? So they're like the the movies are the fillers of their own, which makes it really fun and unique, and is actually a really big starting point for a lot of different directors. There, mm-hmm. um, the director of uh, Summer Wars, uh, what's his name? I always get him and Makoto Shinkai m- mixed up. It's um. Oh, jeez! Um, oh, now I can't remember. <laughs> okay, I need to look this up uh, because uh, oh, Hosoda. There you go, Hosoda. Hosoda's actual one of his first movie directorial debuts was actually on a One Piece movie, oh, and you can really see in his art style when you watch that movie. You're like, that is a Hosoda work, like to the core. And his work was actually really cool in the One Piece movie because it was actually a horror themed One Piece movie where they were they were on an island that basically has like a very charismatic host that kind of eggs them on into playing like these games and stuff like that but he cheats in his games and consecutively he basically kind of like enslaves them into doing these games over and over and over again until they lose hope and it turns out at the end of the movie is that all the people that he's kind of like captured into like this um, this game sort of that they're like indebted to him he uses them to basically like, suck their souls out and feed it to like uh, a deity that's on the island did you enjoy these movies then? oh yeah it was great <laughs> they're super fun um they're super fun because they're always very zany it's very different from the usual one piece timeline but in general one piece doesn't rely on fillers because it uses up so much of its charismatic comedy at the beginning and even throughout the episodes too of like where some characters are like fighting off screen like Zoro and Sanji always like like bickering for example Nami's always like starstruck whenever money is involved and she gets really greedy Usopp is always telling lies and mimicking people Robin is just standing there trying to be all cool and poised but she she sells she tells really bad jokes that kind of like fall on her feet and makes people kind of scared with her uh, Frankie is known to have his balls being grabbed. Brooke <laughs> likes to see panties. Um, and Jinbei is the only sane one. And then Luffy is always clamoring about meat and constantly gets himself stuck in situations that he's not supposed to be. Mm. Oh yeah, and Zoro gets lost. So I think in One Piece, it doesn't rely... Yeah, it relies on the comedy and also the quirks of the characters to bring out the show, but doesn't need to dedicate itself around them per se there are arcs that are dedicated to the characters like for example the earliest arc is like nami's arc with arlong park at the beginning of one piece yeah um which really fleshes out her character as somebody who is very mischievous very sly but she has goals in which she needs she wants to escape the quote-unquote enslavement that she's in um and there are other character stories that do prop up eventually through one piece but you have to watch through the whole thing to figure it out (laughs) So basically, we agree we should start having a little more filler, if nothing else. <laughs> a little bit more filler, but the only issue that I see with it is that for a lot of seasonal shows, and especially for original shows, that's really hard to nail down. Um, because the issue with the filler is that oftentimes the story writing has too much filler, and then they have to rush to the end. Right. And nothing makes sense. And yeah, that I is mean, very specific does, for a seasonal. It does work a lot more when it's like continuous versus yes. seasonal. So I see what you're yeah, saying. Because One Piece, our example, is continuous. Bleach and Gintama are continuous. Same thing with uh, Hitman Reborn 2, which was like ages ago. So. Right, yeah. Um, well, anyway, I would like JJK to have some. <laughs> so, like, she yes. needs some padding so that she can grieve properly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, already the 
well, thank you everyone for listening. That is our um, controversial anime opinions. Hope you guys aren't too bad with us. And uh, like, uh, share with us your controversial anime opinions. You can tweet at us at girltaku underscore at. But other than that, um, we will be back next week with another fun topic. So bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.